0: We were having an ice cream party one time at youth group and this uh, girl showed up who had never been there and she was so excited about the ice cream and she just kept coming back for seconds and thirds and fourths. And I noticed I couldn't find her a little bit later and then I found her and she was crying and upset and she said, I feel really sick and I threw up in the bathroom. So then i proceeded to go check the bathroom and she had not made it to the toilet and thrown up all over the floor that girl never came back to youth group bless her heart damn i'm glad i didn't my best days would be
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unlearning Youth Group. We're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. If we have a map, my name is Jonathan Corona, and I'm joined, as always, by our co-host, Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What is up, people? Let's get
0: into the discussion today.
1: So as we get into it, this is one that uh, was more your idea than mine. Sure. Uh, so tell the people a little bit about what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, so uh, for last episode, if you didn't hear we talked about purity culture, and we teased this episode, too, talking through if you've ever been a part of uh, maybe like a CD-burning session or, you know, for some of our older listeners, a record-burning session. Or if you were told you couldn't go to certain movies or couldn't see certain things, or maybe you had uh, Pure flicks in your house instead of Netflix, <laughs> right? Like all of that, or uh, like my – too- yeah, so God were- yeah, God tube. My wife listened to the uh, the apologetics growing up, which was uh, basically like the Christian version of Weird Al, and they would take all these all these uh secular songs and I oh, have
1: never heard of the apologetics. What like you've got to give me one of their songs. I I have to listen to this right now.
0: My my wife, when we were dating, she had like four of these CDs, and I remember one of them was like uh it was a rip-off of Eminem instead of uh, Slim Shady, it was like will the real sin savior Please Oh, stay wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, All right. That's their number one episode. They're on Spotify. Yeah. All right, so hang on. We're going to play this for just a second. May I
0: have your
1: repentance, please? May, May I have, I your, have repentance, your repentance, please? please? Okay. Will you tell him save me and please stand up? I repeat. Will, will you, tell you tell him save me and me please, please stand, stand up? up? We're going to have the problem here. Oh my goodness.
0: They're rapping. They're white boy rapping. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. No, I'm done. That's good. And then there was like one about like a story of a squirrel that drowned the something. Well, well, they in had an it. album
1: that came out in 2020.
0: Oh no. Okay. I have not heard this since probably 2000. When was that Sin Savior one? 2002, 2099, maybe? It, this is this is the Christian version of Weird Al. They um, put
1: two out in twenty twenty.
0: Three or, out. Or I, I think the other thing is like you got a lot of TikTokers that make a lot of money doing this type of thing by, you know, changing changing lyrics, but you know, that's for something like TikTok, not for the, the key was this was a replacement that Christian kids would listen to. Eric, instead there's of,
1: a billion songs on here.
0: Uh, I don't doubt it.
1: <laughs> Doves in snakes clothing. Oh, That's boy. the name of an album. Okay, you can't say Euphrates without the '80s, and it looks like it's all 80s songs. Okay, I mean that one's kind of clever. I will, I will admit that. Yeah, but I, I think I music is hear... as music does, and it has apologetics oh. sitting on a bench like Forrest Gump. Come on, Hill the boys mm-hmm. or Hill the boy. Oh, and this one, all right, this one has um, it tells you what it's a parody of. So, Come on Hill the boy is a parody of Come on Feel the Noise. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just so you know, they spelled come the same way that they did in the actual song. Oh, which
0: is yeah, okay. Oh <laughs> I wonder if they understood that. Oh so today we are talking about Christian versus non-Christian <laughs> culture or what I think we've labeled as the secular versus the sacred. So anytime you think about Christian movies, Christian music, Christian video games or do you remember there was a Left Behind video game where you had the like, Bible man? Oh yeah, Bible man. Oh yeah, exactly. So like the Christian version of all of these non-Christian things. So that's the topic for today.
1: I was telling a friend of ours about this episode this week. And he told me he specifically remembers burning a Hootie and the Blowfish CD right. in, the, in the late 90s that he just bought again like a month ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we're, we're we were burning Hootie and the Blowfish, yep, uh, because we thought they were wrong, right, tells you all about where we came from.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and th- and so I'm excited to talk about this, and I'm interested too because this, like you said, this is a rabbit hole that you that you could just go down forever. And there are people, um, depending on your background, like there are certain things that you could only do or listen or talk to. And there and you'll find the Christian version of something that you never knew existed. So, I mean, Jonathan's going to tease us too, but if you have a story or if you have examples, I want to see them and let me know what your favorite, like Christian version of something was, or what you realize now was like super weird that you were into as a kid and send those, uh, those, e- those, uh, emails to us. Uh, what's the email address? It's
1: hello at Yeah, I, Or you I know what we've to never told people our socials on here? I am Jonathan underscore Corona on Instagram. What are you?
0: Eric W-E-R-I-C-W 712. 712. What area code is that? No, that's my birthday, July 12th. Oh. Well, that was like okay. when we first got an email. I've got a, like a copy-serve <laughs> email. My dad set it up for me, and that was just my username forever. So There you go. That's, yeah. So –
1: The world was separated into Christian and non-Christian things when we were growing up. I remember at one point we had to boycott Disney, I think it was, because they were doing something that was unchristian. Um, The 90s were a time of church boycotts to where there was a new thing every other week that we were supposed to boycott because things were going on. Before we get going, I want to tell people the format that we go on with the show here just so you know what's coming up over the next 30 minutes or so. The first thing we want to do is we enter the topic. That's what we're doing now. Then we're going to talk about what was bad and where that went wrong. And then we'll talk about where we got it right. What was the good intention that was underlying the bad approach? And then finally we'll close out every episode with where do we go from here? Because at the end of the day, we are unlearning youth group, not in a way to deconstruct our faith or to leave our faith. It's so that we can do our faith better. Mm -hmm. And so Eric, where is a place that we went wrong with this secular versus sacred idea?
0: Yeah, well, right away, I mean, it's like anything else we've talked about this season. Anytime you tell kids not to do something, they're probably going to do it. And so, you know, when we start to vilify different things, and like you said, in the 90s, early 2000s, there was – A lot of things that Christians were known, what they were uh, against rather than what they were for, and in a lot of ways were still kind of like that. Uh, But I remember going to a Catalyst conference in Atlanta in I think 2005, and I heard from Reggie Joyner, who uh, is the leader of Orange, which is a, a kid's curriculum thing, and he was with North Point with Andy Stanley for a while. Anyway. Mind blowing talk for me that really set me on a different path and trajectory in ministry. And he talked about Christians uh, being against uh, kind of the Christian 4 H club, the 4 H's we were against Hollywood, Harry Potter, homosexuality, and Halloween. And it was like, (laughs) I just started laughing because, you know, he was talking about how we vilified these things. And so, you know, things from Disney and Mickey Mouse are no good, and Harry Potter comes out. Now, all of a sudden, because it deals with witchcraft in a fictional book, you're not allowed to read it. And then, you know Halloween. We we can't participate in anything. And even working in a church now, we did a Halloween event, which was a drive-through. You know, it was just a drive-through event. There was nothing about the occult. There were just people dressed up, you know, trying to give out candy. And man, the emails we got from Christians that were like, "I can't believe that you are into this occult thing and stuff like that," because it's non. Christian. So we end up vilifying these popular kind of types of media and it it creates a mystique around them that I think honestly kids want to participate in even more.
1: I remember the only church service I have ever walked out of was my grandpa was my pastor growing up. Um I was home from college and he was doing a sermon that went up he got on a topic going against Harry Potter and how satanic it was. Mm-hmm. And I've never read a Harry Potter book or watched a movie, but I just, I disagreed with him. A man I love and looked up to so much right. that I got up and walked out of the sermon because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. This idea right. that um, we, can, we're not smart enough to separate fiction and reality and yeah. that everything is either
0: Christian or evil. Oh yeah. And think about it, Harry Potter, not good. Lord of the Rings and, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Good. Like, tell me what, <laughs> what separates those two? If you're looking at it from an, you know, from a secular worldview, they're both fantasy, you know, stories and fantasy fiction that deals with magic that deals with other things. And just because we've said, oh, CS Lewis and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, Tolkien are, are Christian and had Christian, um, you know, thoughts and, and, uh, themes throughout the whole thing. Now, somehow that makes it different when it's like, uh, we still rail against stuff like Harry Potter and Disney. When we turn the other, you know, turn a different way when we're trying to present it, uh, present Christian stuff, so to speak in, in a different way.
1: And I think it was, it, it was a thing we did that was not biblical. I think it's extra biblical. Sure. And we probably cherry pick some Bible verses to talk about it and to justify it. Right. But Whenever we labeled something as secular, we implied that God either wasn't involved with it or could not use it for his goodness.
0: Right. Yeah. Or he didn't like or he didn't care about it or whatever else, you know, because I think that there's an unhealthy way, especially when you're talking about um, like the big thing in probably the generation before us was rock music or metal music. And it's like somehow the lead singer of Metallica doesn't matter to God or somehow, uh, you know, this this musician uh, doesn't matter to God and he's vilified him and, and cast him out like as if metalheads heads uh, can't be Christians or metalheads don't matter to God as well.
1: I'm so glad you brought up Metallica specifically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, we used to go to this thing. I live just north of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in the Church of God, and there was a thing called Winterfest in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So it was about four hours away from us, a big weekend thing for the Church of God kids. Yep. And we would go there. And I remember one year we were in the church van on the drive, and my cousin was listening to this new CD he got. And I wanted to listen to it. And he told me who it was. And he said it was Metallica. Uh, And (laughs) he he realized is his parents didn't understand that Metallica was just a different way of saying Metallica. uh, And so he was able to listen to the CD on this van trip because it was Metallica. And was it Metallica? uh, And that was my introduction to Metallica. A van trip back from Winterfest while listening to Metallica. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Metallica. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's great. You know, you were telling your story about, uh, about walking out of that Harry Potter sermon too. I mean, I remember hearing from Perry Noble who used to be the lead, uh, pastor at uh new Spring, And he talked about one of the worst days that they had was in the, I think they were having a sermon on hell and they played ACDC's highway to hell, uh, as like an opening song. And he just got so many people in the Christian world, upset at him for that because like that's part of it is you can't use this secular quote unquote song in a sacred environment like church. And now I think most of us can't, can't go through a major city without finding a church that's playing uh, you know, top 40 songs or playing popular songs in their services now.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things, and we we might get into this a little bit later in the episode, but there is a way that we can, go too far in our embrace of the secular quote unquote, which we're going to get that word in a little bit, but there is a way that we can go too far into it. That um, is unhealthy and is unspiritual, but we just swung the pendulum too far in one direction. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I think we went wrong is we completely ignored the idea that Jesus and Paul both did not avoid the secular, quote unquote. Right. Yeah, um, there is the passage in, don't quote me on where it is, but I think it's Matthew. It's probably a couple other gospels where Jesus uses the term hypocrites. Uh-huh. Um, he calls the he calls the people hypocrites, and it's the only time in the Bible that word is used. And the interesting thing about that is where Jesus was, where he grew up it was a mile or two away from the largest theater, amphitheater in the area at the time. Yeah. It's where they would have done plays and theater productions and what we would consider secular, their version of Harry Potter. Right. Um, they would have been doing these things there. And it's thought that I mean, we don't know what, anything about Jesus from the time he was 12 to the, he started his public ministry. It is thought given his background as a, handyman and or stonemason, depending on where where it falls, that he likely worked on that theater when it was being built because it was built around the time that he would have been in his teens and 20s. Right. So Jesus was very aware of the quote-unquote secular. He was very aware of the acting and theatrical space, so much so that he used a term, never used anywhere else, because he expected the people to know what it meant. Mm-hmm. He did not expect that the people he was talking to would have kept themselves away from those, ev- those events and those environments. He expected that they had been around them enough so that he could use the language and the example that only they would understand had they been there.
0: Yeah and think about through throughout the gospels you know we like to cherry pick these in messages and talk about how you know Jesus would hang out with sinners you know Jesus friend of sinners right was even in an early hymn and things like that from our traditional upbringing but like you talk about that. He would hang out with people that the religious people didn't hang out with. So, do you think that, like the jute the uh, the jukebox? Well, it wasn't the jukebox, but you know, they they might have had a little minstrel band or something playing songs and singing, you know, drinking songs. Jesus might have been like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 guys, I'll be here, but you know, go ahead and put away some of that stuff because I'm not going to listen to it." Or if they're doing, you know, who knows what around him at these parties where they said some of these parties were raucous and. And, you know, big, big get togethers. And you think that he's pointing out to people, I can't be a part of this. And he walked out of these parts. Like, it's not recorded in scripture where it says he's hanging out with sinners. Uh, then someone brought out their Metallica CD and Jesus walked out because he couldn't stand to hear Enter Sandman.
1: It's just not the word. The, then we it's, got the example of Paul at Mars Hill where he's essentially quoting the Taylor Swift of his of his time. Right. So that he could use those things to point back to God yeah. and to teach about Jesus, he he redeemed the things that other people were using. I mean, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is what you what you meant for evil, God in, meant for good. Right, and so I think when we avoid the quote unquote secular, we take away a lot of opportunities for God to do a lot of really good things.
0: Yeah, and I, I would probably just venture to say, and this is you know for all of you biblical scholars, don't don't quote me on this one necessarily. But kind of off the cuff, I, I would think that as soon as the ministry switched from just the Jews to now including the Gentiles, you have to now say that there is no divide between secular and sacred. That you know, we will use anything we can, and we will do whatever we need to do uh, to reach, to appeal to uh, people. But not only that, but God has deemed all of these things uh, as being part of the thing that He created, as as good in some way. You know, even when uh, when they're talking about the things that you cannot eat, right? You know, and and uh, there's that dream about all of the the food items, and it's like. God says, no, I've made these things holy. So it's tearing down the old religious institutions um, that, that are now saying, as Christians, it's a departure from the religiosity of Judaism and now into the season of grace.
1: So moving forward, we've talked about what was bad about it and where we went wrong. What did we get right? What was the good intentions that were underlying our bad approach?
0: Man, well, I have to say, you know, the things that we, the media that we consume, um, is important. The things that we allow into our eyes, that's important into our ears. That's important because, uh, you know, what you have around you is going to be important. And, and I think, uh, a, as is the, the constant theme throughout this entire season has been, it is like, there there's a difference between telling, you know, age appropriate restrictions to children and then loosening those restrictions or giving them context as they're able to handle them as they grow older. So of course, for my boys, we're not watching PG 13 movies. We're not watching R rated movies. We're I don't listen to, you know, the top 40 in our car because I just don't need them being exposed to words that they just don't understand or concepts that they don't understand. They don't understand are, are difficult, but that doesn't mean that all I'm doing, you know, we have a Disney plus account. Hopefully everybody, you know, we have a bunch of fundamentalists that just unsubscribe right there. We have a Netflix account, <laughs> right? Like they watch cartoons and things like that. Uh, but we still restrict out for our kids some of those things because it's important. And I think for high schoolers, we uh, we still need to do that and, and help them understand where um, the media that they consume is affecting the way that they think about things.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best examples I have of the media – we consume impacts us is that if you own, I'm going to go to politics here. So yeah. um, we're just going to piss off everybody today. Let's do it. Um, if you consume only MSNBC and Twitter, you would think that every supporter of Donald Trump is a racist, a hole who cares about nothing but themselves. Right. And if you consume only OAN and the more conservative places, you would think that, Every liberal progressive just wants us to all be gay and kill babies, right? And if you if you consume too much of either one, you're going to be in the wrong, and you're sure. going to have an improper worldview and improper view of what's around us. You're going to miss God's design on things. So I think the idea of limiting media consumption, whether that's TV, mu- movies, music, whatever, there is, there's there's some positives there. There's some ideas there that are good, but I think we may have taken the easy way out and and instead of looking at things with a nuanced approach to it and really doing the investigation of is this good or is this bad, we just wrote off a lot of stuff that as bad or that we didn't need. And so I think for us moving forward as we go through lives ourselves, I'll give you an example. There are things and movies and TV shows, Eric, that you could probably watch that I shouldn't watch. Sure. I, I tried to start watching Yellowstone a couple weeks ago because I'd heard nothing but great things. And I got three episodes in and it was just a little too dark for me. It, yeah. there, I can't tell you that it's, that Yellowstone is a wrong show mm-hmm. or that it's wrong to watch that. I just know for me, I didn't feel good watching. I was the same way with um, Ozark. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the first season of Ozark and I'm like, I just don't feel good watching that. Right. There are some things that, that are just not healthy for me to consume that you with your wiring you could watch that and feel totally fine totally and not be bothered at all
0: Yeah, yeah exactly i mean i know people that um you know they're and it depends it depends again depends on the category so you know things that may be more sexually risque like i think you're talking through part of ozark and, and like the new thing on netflix is bridgerton like i just i couldn't watch one episode. My mom kept telling me to watch it. And then I by episode two or three, I was like, why did she tell me to watch this? And I just had to turn it off. But like other people are fine with that, but they can't watch something like Stranger Things or something that's going to um, be more of the occult side because of uh, more of that, you know, demonic end that's just not healthy for them. And I think to your point too, about the politics is some people should not be what reading and watching and consuming political content, because, like you said, the words that we use matter, and so when Republicans say "radical left about everyone that doesn't agree with them, what does that do to people who are Republicans? They think anyone that doesn't agree with me is a part of the radical left and then when Democrats say you know uh, Trump supporters are racist, every one of them that means every single person who voted for Trump is a racist. And it's like that infects your mentality that infects the way that, that you work. So I I think there is a bit of a, a, a way that we went at it in a, in a wrong way, but at the same time, you know, there is when it's followed up with how much, um, are you consuming of what God says in your life? And so it doesn't even just have to be the things that we consider like typically sinful, but, you know, like we talked about last episode is if all you're thinking about is shame and all you're thinking about is guilt and all you're thinking about is the things that uh, you've done in your past and you ignore or you're not consuming enough of God's grace and enough of the things God says is true about you and you're forgiven and redeemed, that's ultimately going to lead to destruction in your lives, whether or not you're watching an R-rated movie.
1: Yeah, we're going to get – we have an episode later this season. I think it's the last one of the season talking about wise versus unwise. Yeah. There are things that are right that are not wise. Right. And so we went with right versus wrong um, because that was easier. And I think that was the good intention. We wanted people to avoid watching the things that were unwise for them to watch. Yep. And instead, we used the language of right versus wrong.
0: And we used it as a blanket. That was the other problem, too. No one can watch these because this is wrong for everyone when that's not actually true.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of room for disagreement within the body of Christ. I think um, I was actually just, I'm working in my day job with a church planning network right now. And um, one of the things that is one of their core values is they're aligned by mission, not by theology. Yeah, And it's because the idea that there's so much room within the body of Christ to interpret the Bible in different ways. Yep, And so I can't tell you that watching this certain thing or listening to that certain thing is wrong. Right. I can listen to music that is F bomb this, F bomb that, and not and not stop dropping language or start dropping language that I shouldn't. Um because I don't have those sense like my sensibilities, that doesn't bother me. Right. But if I start watching a TV show with an anti-hero that is darker and kind of glorifies him or her doing things that are less than awesome that are right. shady or not above board or whatever those, and th- that person gets glorified, that starts to rub me the wrong way. And I, my mind starts going in different places. So sure. I can't, I can't do that. So we've got to, the idea that to hit this section home, the media we consume does matter. And it's important to think about what we're consuming. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the good intention. So with that good intention in mind, Eric, where do we go from here? How do we take that good and use it to move us forward,
0: yeah, I think the uh the the one thing I go back to is is um first corinthians ten thirty one so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, and realizing that uh you know this is a Matt Chandler uh quote, but he said, you know if you 're doing it right, there's a way to drink coffee to the glory of God, right, which I think all of us who've had great coffee and good coffee lovers say yes, um, amen to that, but you know you can do everything to the glory of God. And there is a separation of like, what's wise and whether you can or can't and how you move forward on that. And I think considering everything that you do, uh, is somewhat sacred or somewhat Christian and really allow that to, to impact your choices. And I think where it hit home for me, you know, if I could just share this, this, uh, these two stories really is, you know, I really had a hard time with some of these things thinking through the legalistic environment. So in the, I don't know, early 2000s, I think uh, there was the uh, um, Jesus Loves Porn Stars movement that came out of, and I, for, I forget what the... Uh, X Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. X Church. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Like they had that movement and that was kind of rubbing me the wrong way. And I was going, I don't know that we should do that. And then I remember hearing stories about churches that would have actual um, ministries where they would send women into uh gentlemen's clubs and adult clubs to minister to um, clubs. Yeah. To strip clubs, Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're a gentleman's club is not right. I, I agree to that. Uh, to a strip club to minister to um, the sex workers that were there. And then, you know, and then it really hit home when I went on a, a mission trip to Costa Rica and the church that we were working with, the the main thing that we did is we went down to a brothel. It was literally a brothel run by a Christian. And this was a place where we were Going to redo the inside of this thing because this this woman had uh, gotten out of sex work and she was a Christian and now she created this space for other sex workers to come and to relax to be safe this sort of thing, but man when I first walked in and I was like all right this is a place where sinners come in you know and I'm just like the and it really hit me hard because. Learning some of these stories and hearing and going, okay, the, the, the hard line that I had drawn between what is Christian and what is non-Christian and what God can use and what God could not use started to crumble when I actually heard stories from people, um, that were going through it and realizing, man, if I opened my eyes, what were the possibilities on the ways, um, that we could really dig into this and say, if I'm allowing God to do what God does best, which, which is using things for his glory, like how, how much further can I advance the kingdom and care about people?
1: Yeah. I heard a story once, um, and I'm I'm probably going to butcher this, but it was that there was this guy in California. He was a porn director Mm -hmm. and he came to Christ and his first thought was, I got to leave my job. I've got to, I got to be done and I got to run from that. And whoever it was that was discipling him actually told him, no, don't do that. Because if you do that right away, think about how many people are going to be impacted by that, by you leaving and they're no right. longer going to have a job. Right. And so they're going to view the church the wrong way. Right. Use your influence while you're there to point people to Jesus. Right. So eventually the guy did leave the job because you can't be in, I mean, I don't see any way you could be in porn and right. um, be a Christian long-term, but that just got my mind thinking a different direction of like, God can use a lot of different things Yep. and he can use almost anything to point people to himself. Yeah. And I am a big believer. One of my favorite books ever is a book called pop goes the church. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how to use pop culture in the church and how to reach people. And like I mentioned earlier, Jesus did it. Paul did it. Um, we see examples throughout the Bible of how it is. And I think if we run from culture, and if we say that we can't watch these quote-unquote secular things, we don't give Jesus the chance to redeem it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I have seen the gospel in so many things. If you're looking for the gospel, you can find it in almost any secular story. Right. And if you do that, if you look at it with the, that lens, you can point it. I remember um, one of our small group leaders in the ministry I worked at, Um, He was incredible at this. He led a group of senior guys at the time. And one night we went away and did um, one of the guys and had a lake house. And so we went to the lake house. We stayed up super late like you do with high school kids. Right. And we watched Dead Poets Society. And after we were done watching Dead Poets Society, which is probably something the people who say to run from the secular would run from wholeheartedly. Oh, yeah. Paul was able to, the leader's name was Paul, not the apostle. Um, (laughs) Paul was able to take scenes from that movie and show these 17 year old, 18 year old guys the gospel through these scenes and seeing them pick up on this, these ideas in new ways because they could relate to it was something that will always stick with me about how strong the gospel is when we combine it with culture.
0: I agree. You and I mean you brought it up before too, but when you think about the story of the of the Bible, just think about the narrative of the New Testament, especially the Gospels. Who are the supporting characters and who are the antagonists? The supporting characters are sinners and Gentiles and people who are far from God and the people that are in the secular world. And the antagonists are set up to be the religious and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these other people. And so, if you think th- even through that, if God, I believe, if God intended us to have this divide between secular and sacred, and if He were to say, "Well, I can't use these things," then we would be lifting up the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all them as the heroes and supporting characters to Jesus and the disciples and we would be vilifying the sinners and that's not what Jesus did and so i think that's very important when when we separate that thing out and I, and you know i love this quote that i think is is key when we're thinking about Christian things, is that Christian is a great noun and a poor adjective. When you start to label things as Christian or non-Christian, um, you lose all the nuance, and it really cheapens things and and uh, creates a situation that ultimately is not going to be as effective for, uh, for God's kingdom.
1: And I think moving forward, one of the things we have to do is we have to realize that everything we do is spiritual. Yes. Um, there's no disconnect between sacred and spiritual. There's an old article in relevant. I forget who wrote it. Um, but it's it's called There's No Difference in uh, Between Spiritual and Secular. Uh I'm clicking on the link right now so I'm yeah. trying to filibuster here to see if I can get it so I can give credit to where credit is due. John Mark uh is it Colmer? Comer John Mark Comer Col- yeah John Mark Colmer. He wrote it but in the article he said look up the word spiritual in Genesis to Malachi the Bible used by Jesus. It's not there. Why? Because in a Hebrew worldview, all of life is spiritual. Yes, and I think that's an important thing for us to take into account: is that everything we're doing needs to be guided by the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. everything we do is spiritual.
0: Yep, I agree, I, and I think that's that's spot on. So, what do you think we need to tell people who uh, maybe are recovering uh, anti secularists, or you know, what what's the practical application for people who have? have gone through this and are are trying to recover at this point?
1: I would say the first thing would be to check your motivations. Take a look at the reason behind what you're doing. You know, Eric, you and I both work in marketing. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about problems a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would ask someone, is this problem solve? Is this solution of running away from culture Is it solving an internal problem or an external problem?
0: Yeah.
1: A lot of times we do things to solve external problems. They put a roadblock in front of that. That way we can't get to it. In reality, our motivation is solved is most likely motivated by our internal problems. So are you doing things because you're scared of culture or is there a true internal reason that you believe it's there? And If there's an internal reason, what is that? Is it motivated by Scripture? Is it backed up by love? If it is, then okay, we can have a conversation. But if it's not, then I would say you're doing something that probably isn't correct.
0: Yeah, and I think that you you hit the nail on the head with the fears. I think a lot of times we teach this or we've been taught this because of a fear of what's out there and really not understanding how powerful God is and understanding how much He is in control of all. And so if you're afraid of whatever the secular world is, and you're trying to pass that on to your children. I think more, more so passing on what the power of God looks like and how he's got everything under control and what a spiritual life uh, is lived. Um, so after this week, I, I'm not sure where we could go from here, but do you want to let people know a little bit about what's happening next?
1: Yeah, so next week we are <laughs> going to talk about how we call unchurched people lost. and how we have this way of labeling people who do not go to church in all these derogatory ways Mm -hmm. and make all sorts of assumptions about them. So in a nutshell, it's how we view non-Christians and people who are not a part of our church in general.
0: We're basically taking this conversation from the external and now pointing it to uh, really the internal and personalizing it with how we, how we, Separate people into these different groups.
1: Yep. So that's next week. But for now, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you choose. Uh, Share it with a friend if you enjoyed this episode. And if you have a story that you want to share on the front end of the episodes, or if you have a great example of a Christianese version of something, Mm
0: -hmm. go ahead
1: and send that to hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com.
0: Go listen to an apologetic song this week.